and welcome to the Scottish Roadscast, a podcast all about Scotland's roads, bridges and motorways. I'm Stuart Baird. And I'm John Hassel. And this month we're also joined by... Duncan McKnight. Myself, how are we doing? Good to see you, Duncan. Glad to have you here because this month we are celebrating 40 years of the Keswick Bridge, a key link in the A9 in Inverness and in the north of Scotland. I've been looking forward to this one, by the way. I really, really have. It's always good to have a special. We enjoy our special podcast. And it's been a while. It has been. Yes. So, Duncan, you've come along. As I say, you're a resident A9 expert. Yes. If there's something to know about that road... You can ask me questions, I'll probably be able to answer it. No pressure, Duncan. No pressure, no. (laughs) So, like we've done in the past with our other big anniversaries, like Kingston and Erskine and King Carden, Mm -hmm. we're going to go right through, all the way back to the planning and history of the bridge yeah talk about how it all came to be who was involved why they were involved what they wanted what went well what didn't go well we'll talk about the construction of the bridge itself and the design we'll give a wee bit of background about the opening Mm -hmm. because 40 years ago this month and then we'll talk about things that have happened on the bridge since in terms of maintenance maybe even what the future holds and then we're going to talk a little bit about some of the events and and things we have planned to celebrate the anniversary that's coming up on the Mm -hmm. 6th of august I can see why this is called a special edition. Yes. yes. There's a lot indeed. to go through. It's rich. Indeed, there is. Okay, let's just kick straight into it then. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Duncan, over to you. Yes. Right. Okay. So, I'll give you a bit of background. The Keswick Bridge is up in Inverness. It's the big cable stay bridge that carries the A9 over the Bewley Firth to the Black Isle. Mm-hmm. And it's a very important link. Um, and it takes you all the way up to the far north. Uh, to give you a bit of context, if you go back to, let's say, 1960, and you wanted to go up to Dornoch in Vigordon, up to the far north, uh, for example, from Inverness, uh, you would enter, you would go through Inverness town centre, you would cross the Ness Bridge and join the long route into mm. into Bewley from Clacknahari. Yeah. That was a very, very long way. You'd then go through Bewley, Murivord, and then Conanbridge and Dingwall, and then you would make your way all the way along the north side of the Cromarty yeah. Firth. Now, I hadn't appreciated this until I started doing some research for the Keswick Bridge, mm-hmm. and uh, I hadn't realised how just circuitous the A9 yes. had been, all the way around the heads of those firths, yeah. all mm-hmm. the way up, adding miles and miles and miles onto you know, the length of that. And yeah. I also hadn't appreciated this when I'd done the North Coast 500, that assuming mm-hmm. that the, it was taking in the Keswick Bridge, it doesn't, yeah. it goes the way you've just said around Mule of Ord. Yeah, so you were going via the old so road. So look how much of a saving in time that having yeah. Keswick's yeah. there. So the know? old route, if you want to go up to Dornoch from Inverness, it would be around about 75 miles, roughly. And it would take over two and a half hours of driving okay. to get yeah. up there. All single carriageway, going through all the wee places, it mm-hmm. could take a while. So you've already convinced me of the need for this yeah. bridge. We uh, should build it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's clearly a need uh, for people up here, up in the Inverness area, to say, right, we can do a bit better than this. Yeah. So as the 60s progressed and as Fourth Road Bridge and Tay Bridge opened, mm-hmm. they were big successes. So obviously, up in the north, we said, well, why don't we do some improvements to the road network? Um, in uh, now in 1968, the Highlands and Islands Development Board, who were kind of overseeing the Highlands, they commissioned a report by the Jack Holmes Development Group because they knew that we had to do something. So they got this mm-hmm. report to say, well, we want to do a bit of redeveloping, we want to improve the roads, what could we do? What's the best option? Yeah. And this report was called Murray Firth, A Plan for Redevelopment. Now, that this this report ties in very well in the context of the time with other locations doing similar things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thinking about what Glasgow was doing with the comprehensive development areas. Exactly, Edinburgh was doing yeah. the same. Dundee had renewal. So it's it's not a surprise to see that Inverness had their own sort of similar, a, thing. similar study. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, the report came in and it proved a bit controversial. 
Oh, a couple cool. of things that um, they proposed, Jack Holmes proposed, was to build new housing areas, new developments on uh, agricultural land, so farmland, mm -hmm. which uh, farmland is a bit scarce up in the Highlands because yeah. it's quite a rural area. You know, farmland is quite rare. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the, the main road proposals was not to cut across the Black Isle over the Bewley Firth, but to follow the existing road and widen it to dual carriageways as far as uh, Dingwall. Mm-hmm. Now, that deviates quite a bit, say, from the road south of Inverness, where by yeah. that stage, am I right in saying that they had already announced that they were going to comprehensively re redevelop it the about, Yeah, it was around about that time that they said, OK, Perth to Inverness, we're going to have to redevelop this because it's yeah. the only real decent thing we can do. North of here, I think we'll just follow what's there yeah. already. Yeah. Yeah. And given the traffic flows and, and what was expected, I can understand why that would probably yeah. have been considered realistic exactly. at that stage. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, these uh, controversial plans got the attention of a gentleman called Ray Clark, and he lives in Edgerton, and he was a farmer. Mm -hmm. And he noticed the poor use of farmland in the report because he was mm -hmm. a farmer, so he knew about this. Yeah. And uh, along with a chap called John Smith, who was from Aberdeen, he was a geography expert, they saw these proposals and said, right, this isn't really good enough. There's lots of strange things are going to be happening. Why don't we come up with something a bit better? Uh, so they moved all the um, all the housing area onto forestry, mm -hmm. so saving the agricultural land, and then they rerouted the road over the Bewley Firth, across the Black Isle, and over the Cromarty Firth. Mm -hmm. And uh, they called this plan the crossing of the three firths. What was the mm -hmm. third firth then? The third firth was Dornach Firth. Yep. That was taken forward a little bit later on, okay. but we'll be focusing on Keswick at the moment. Yeah. Um, and they uh, teamed up with Pat Hunter-Gordon, Mm -hmm. uh, he was he lived in Bewley and he worked at AI Welders in Inverness mm -hmm. and he had the manpower to produce this booklet. Yeah. Now they launched this booklet in October 1969. They called a big press conference to say, look, this is a bit more of a sensible idea. Why don't we have a look at this? Mm -hmm. And it gained a lot of press attention and it was pretty popular. Yeah. Because they said, well, this, this is going to cut a lot of length off of the journey to time north. Mm -hmm. Why don't we go forward with this? Um, so I've got a wee quote from the booklets that I'm going to read out just mm -hmm. to give you an idea of yeah. what it was going on. Okay. Uh, so while this pamphlet is intended to present the case for improved communications for transport undertakings, industry, commerce, farmers and all road users, the photographs included highlight a number of dangerous bottlenecks on one 30-mile stretch of the A9 road. Apart from the simple question of bad communication and its effect on the viability of the area, those in the Highlands who travel frequently on this road have a right to be concerned, particularly when black ice, packed snow, tiredness, or someone else careless driving comes to the aid of the man-made problems. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Pretty hard-hitting. Now, how does this then all tie in with what, say, the Scottish Development Department were, were considering? So, obviously, they had commissioned their own report for yeah. the Inverness Development Agency that you mentioned. Yeah. So, they already thought, no, no, we're just going to do this online upgrade of the road yeah. as it is. How did they become involved and ultimately approve well, of this plan. So their main objector to the three first plan was the Highlands and Islands Development Board, who said yeah. it's a good idea, but we don't want to. You know, we've got a report. Why don't we just progress with this and get yeah. things moving? We don't want to delay anything any further because then money might disappear and yeah, things yeah. might change. Mm -hmm. uh, so this started a bit of a back and forth battle as to three firths or inland route. Yeah. Uh, now there was an election in 1972. And Gordon Campbell, you might have heard of, yep. was elected, Secretary of State. Yep. elected as the Secretary of State for Scotland. Now, he yep. coincidentally stayed in the Inverness area. Ah, did he? I yes. didn't know that. I okay. think it was Croy. Or I, might be, I might be wrong there, but it was in the Inverness area. 
Yeah. And he was quite aware of the first campaign because they sent this booklet out to politicians, to you know, people who would maybe push the thing forward. Yeah. And uh, he noticed that, okay, the A9 needs a bit of improvement. So he ordered a feasibility study. Yeah. And this was given to Crouch and Hogg. Okay. Now, just there will be people out there who will be listening, right? And and some of our listeners are well versed with the facts and figures. That yes. The election that, that Mr. Campbell came in was 1970. 1970. Apologies Ted, for that. The Ted Heath government of 1970 to 74. Right. Um, that was the Harold Wilson government was unexpectedly beaten in the election of 1970. They came in and Gordon Campbell was put in and he was quite a rival of the Labour Secretary of State for Scotland, Willie Ross, um, mm. who oversaw the motorway proposals and developments in Scotland. So they had a bit of a rivalry. So when Gordon Campbell came in, not just in Inverness, as you're telling us here, but across Scotland in the mm-hmm. M8 and places like that, there were a few changes made to some things. So that's right. interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I didn't realise he was a local. But that, that explains a yeah. few things. And why suddenly between 1968 and 1970, opinions changed so yes. much. Yes, indeed. Uh-huh. Indeed, very okay. much. Mm-hmm. So this this Ray Clark that you've mentioned here, he was yeah. a farmer. He was a farmer. He lived uh, up near Dorner. They, they, I know what we've ultimately ended up with, and I think it's quite something that's noteworthy yeah. that a local resident has been able to put something together with the, with the help of an expert yeah. um, to basically dictate where this route is going to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that is community involvement. Yeah. To it too. You're right. Now, you, sorry, you were just about to tell us about Crouch and Hawk. So they were appointed by the Scottish Office, Scottish Development yeah. Department. Same thing. Mm. When did that happen, did you say? It was around about uh, 1970, I think. So that was, was that, that was probably after the election then? A little yeah. after the election. Ah, they so were given this to say, well, right. go so, and have a look at it yeah. and see what we can do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Crouch and Hogg went away and did their studies and nine options uh, were considered of various routes across the Black Isle around the A9. These were eventually narrowed down to three potential mm-hmm. options. Yeah. So option one, I suppose, was to improve the existing A9, which is what the Jack Holmes report suggested. So they had a look at that, if it was mm-hmm. possible. Um, we bu- Why don't we build a low-level bridge over the Bewley Firth at South Keswick, so mm-hmm. something right. nice and low. Yeah. And then the third option was a high-level bridge over the Bewley Firth at Longman and a new route across the Black Isle. Mm-hmm. I wonder sounds which fam- one was Sounds picked. familiar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so option one, which was the Jack Holmes proposal, this was ruled out. It was too expensive. It would be very disruptive because there's a lot of... Uh, things happening around that A9 corridor. There's a lot of settlements, properties. You've got Bewley, Munivord. It would be disruptive to construct. And there's a lot of poor ground conditions because, of course, it's near the Bewley Firth. So you've got a lot of uh, Firth problems there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Option two was ruled out as well. Now, this bridge, this low-level bridge, would be east of the canal. Right. And if anyone has been in Inverness in the summer, you notice how often the canal bridge is open. It's the Caledonian Canal. Caledonian Canal. So you've got a lot of boats uh, opening the bridges throughout the summer, and this yeah. causes a bit of disruption. So mm-hmm. this would disrupt the A9. Yeah. Um, and option three, which was the high-level bridge, this was picked. Okay. Uh, it was financially better than improving the existing A9, and it would greatly improve the journey times, and it was chosen and was announced along with the A9 project, Perth Inverness Upgrade, in September 1972. Yeah. Mm, okay. uh, now, the A9 between Perth and Inverness, that was fully rebuilt. We've already spoken about that in a podcast. A yep. wonderful podcast. A wonderful yep. podcast. So 110 miles. 110 of miles of new road from yep. Inverap, well, Broxton, all the way up to Longman. Mm-hmm. All in a new yep. alignment. We're doing a bit of work on it at the moment as well. Yep. With A9 dueling. Yep. It's never finished. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but north of here, there was uh, a lot of further improvements as well. So I'll just go into some of the some of the sections across the Black Isle. Mm-hmm. Now these were all designed by Crouch and Hogg, 
So it was a modern 7.3 meter carriageway yep. with uh, reflector curbs on it. Oh, we um, see plenty of them. We're along a big the fan of the reflector curbs. We know. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, starting at the Inverness end and working across the Black Isle, we've got the Keswick Bridge Approaches. Now this runs from Longman to Charleston. Now to give you a bit of context, Longman is the Longman roundabout at the south end of the bridge. That's at the football stadium. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that included the south approach embankment up to the bridge across the rubbish tip. There's mm-hmm. a bit problems there <laughs> yeah yeah okay and uh, it also included about a mile at the north end as well going to the north keswick junction right. and this was built by watson and mcgregor limited or jg mcgregor mm-hmm. and it opened well it was finished in august 1975 it opened but it didn't it didn't go anywhere yeah so it was finished yeah. there. similar thing with Erskine in some ways yeah. except the uh, the approaches were there before the bridge oh, sure. yeah so that kind of gives us an indication here that the approach roads are completed in 1975 quite obviously they were keen to get the bridge open as yeah. soon as possible yeah. so tell us a wee bit then about the development of the of the bridge and why then did it take until 1982 to actually get it finished well the initial designs for the Kesset bridge it was Crouch and Hogg who came up with the initial design yeah and they put a tender a design in for about 30 million bridge mm-hmm. is that right mm-hmm. and uh, it was uh, quite a interesting structure now i've got a bit of a a bit of an extract from an engineering paper written by one of the guys who were on the bridge called leslie clements okay. he wrote a technical paper about the bridge mm-hmm. uh, so the original des- detailed design for this bridge was prepared by the consulting engineers crouch and hog of glasgow the design was for a continuous rectangular steel box girder with a stiffened plate deck carrying dual 7.3 meter carriageways, mm-hmm. central reserve and footways. The cross section four meters deep was to be continuous over the 64 meter approach and the 240 meter main spans. Mm-hmm. The navigation spans being able being cable stayed from a single A-frame tower on the south side of the channel. This layout was adopted to avoid backstays or cables over the 651 meter radius horizontal curve at the north end of the bridge. So, so imagine a, a big, tower. Imagine yeah. a big letter A yeah. as right. a tower think of supporting. The, think of a much bigger version of the see the footbridges on the M80 at Cumberland. I was just thinking of that. Much. That's very modern. I always think that's quite a modern thing. You know, we're talking back in. Well, in, those in bridges the have been yeah. there since the. Since I know, the 70s, but yeah. but they're they're footbridges, mm-hmm. yeah. Stuart. Yeah. We're talking about you know, so it's causing a dual carriageway. Same principle, yeah. much larger scale. To this big, that would have yeah. been quite something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Although with box girders as well, which the footbridges don't have. But in terms of the A-frame cable stain, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Crouch and Hogg obviously very well known for the twin box girder white cat viaduct. Yeah. And the M8 at Glasgow I was just going to say the, the yeah. Renfrew bypass. Yeah. You know. They also did a couple of the bridges over the, the canal on the A82. Right. A couple okay. of them in the 1930s. There's yeah. a plaque on one of them in Inverness. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of other wee bits and pieces as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so initial cost estimates for this bridge was around about thirty million. Yeah. And which, which, uh, by the way, putting that into context, so this is what nineteen seventy five. Nineteen seventy five. Right? Yeah. So Kingston Bridge had cost eleven million in nineteen seventy. Erskine had cost what about eleven twelve in nineteen seventy one. Yeah. So you know to suddenly go from that to thirty million is a considerable amount of money. Um, you know, for a crossing of, of um, Erskine, for example, is higher. Yes, mm-hmm. that than Keswick would be. So that I can understand why to the Scottish office that thirty million might have, they might be like, that's a lot of money. Yeah, that's for, a lot yeah. of money considering yeah. the amount of traffic that mm-hmm. they probably thought this route was going to use. Yeah. yeah. So you know. the Scottish Development Department said, "Oh, this is a bit pricey." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they said, "Could you go back and do another another design?" Uh, this was also ruled out, and they did a lot of de- revisions. But they said, "Okay, okay, let's go back to the drawing board and let's start again." Yeah. So Crouch and Hogg were teamed up with. Of Arab and Partners, mm-hmm. who you might be aware of, mm-hmm. yep. and uh, to, uh, teamed up and to come up with a new design. 
and this was let as a design and build uh, contract. Okay. And now, this was the first time this was done for a major bridge in the UK. It was one of the first times it had been done at all in the at UK all. because we were not big on design and build. I mean, nowadays that's common practice, yeah. but then it was very unusual. Um, so, yeah, it was one of the first uh, design and build right. projects, certainly in Scotland. Mm-hmm. At that time, that was something I read when I was doing my own uh, sort of bit of research in there. And I've just run that 30 million through the uh, Bank of England inflation calculator for 1975. Oh, right. And you're coming out about £190 million pounds now. Oof. Now, for a major crossing now, we would look at £190 million and probably go, actually, that's all right. But given the change in legislation and environmental considerations, all those sorts of things that we didn't have then. You preempted me jumping in saying yeah. all, all the extra reports and the yeah. preamble that you have now <clears> adds, <throat> adds considerably to the cost. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. in it, it, well, to summarise then, it was considered expensive yes. at the mm-hmm. time for yeah. what it was going to offer. Okay. Yeah. Now, it's also a time when money was much tighter than it had been to Because we're, we're, we're mid-70s now. Yeah. And this Economic is crises, oil yeah. crisis, all that sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, you can understand why they were a bit hesitant. So they, they, as you said, they had this alternative tender where they tried to put it out again and that sort of fell down as well. Yeah. Um, that was at that stage, obviously, the Scottish officer said, look, you guys, you've done okay. However, we think maybe you need a wee bit more expertise. And yeah. that's obviously where the OVAR that's where have come, come in. And yeah. they obviously had a bit more, you know, sort of expertise there. So they decided to go design and build. Design and build, yeah. As you, as you say. Yeah. And, and tell us about that process and how did that all come together? So there was uh, six or seven consultants that yeah. were put forward tenders and designs mm-hmm. for this new bridge. Um, now we've got a there's a graphic uh, in the opening booklet of all these different tenders and they all look very very different and they're all quite interesting there's uh, a big arch bridge yep. i think there's mm-hmm. the cable stay bridge yep. um mm-hmm. there's a sort of there's a one that's similarish to erskine is that it's right? almost identical yeah. to erskine. Yeah. just just going back a step um through the process for the design and build progress when i was reading the uh reading up in, on this when i was preparing some of our stuff and mm-hmm. noticed actually that they had a bit of a competitive dialogue and they invited anybody interested initially to make submissions yeah and through 1976 1977 i believe actually they had 16 expressions of interest initially right and that then was whittled down to that final six Mm -hmm. that you mentioned there and yeah you're right there were three concrete options and three steel three steel one of them was almost identical to erskine yeah there was another one like the arch the arch yeah quite similar to the tyne bridge yeah uh, in newcastle there was one I think there was one very similar to Friarton. I think Freeman Fox might yeah. have done that one. I'm just looking at them um, on my screen here. Um, so there was the there was the Lane Monsel one, which was yeah. like the Erskine option. Uh, McAlpine, Dickerhoff, and Wildman mm-hmm. uh, also quite similar to Erskine, but the cable detail was slightly different. Uh, that Lane Monsel one had a very interesting uh, raked support in the yeah, in the, the, yeah. the first. Um, then we had the Monk. M.E.N. McGregor, Clark and Chapman, which Atkins, yeah. that was like the single tower cable state. Like the original yeah, one. Like yeah, like the original proposal. We then had Wimpy Clark and Chapman, Highland Fabricators, Babti and Leon, is that Leon Hart? Yep. Hart, yeah. That's the arch, the which arch, is an interesting yes. option. And then finally, we had the Taylor Woodrow, uh, Campinon Bernard, uh, which didn't have a tower at all. That was a concrete option. Yeah. Uh, was that kind simple. of similar to Friarton? Friarton, yeah. It is a bit Friarton like. I would say actually it's quite similar to Dornach. Oh, at this all right, okay. Quite, quite inter- oh, much higher level. Higher than Dornach. Much higher so level. Relying yeah. on you describing yeah. these, Stuart, because obviously our listeners can't and, see uh, that. The, yeah. the, the prices ranged from, so the 17 and a half to the, for the winning submission, yeah. which came obviously from... 
Oh, goodness, who was it? Let me... <laughs> Cleveland got... Bridge and yep. Red Path Dorm and Long. In conjunction with? Trafalgar, Trafalgar House. Yeah, Trafalgar Trafalgar. and... I'm just testing them here. This yeah, is I know. Doctor, <laughs> oh, Doctor Homberg. Doctor Homberg, who had designed a very similar bridge in the Rhine. Yes. And their price obviously came in the cheapest at seventeen and a half. The others ranged from eighteen point three up to twenty four point nine million. So mm. a bit more expensive. And in typical uh, UK procurement fashion, we went with the cheapest price. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which you know is not un- not unreasonable. The proposal no. they'd come up with was perfectly decent and 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 looked to be a good. A good idea. In fact, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that it's actually the most attractive of the six options Ooh. submitted. Yeah, I see. Yes, so I, right. I think so. Um, okay, keep, keep talking then, Duncan. Tell us more. Tell so us more. this contract from Cleveland Bridge and Red Path Dorman along with Trafalgar House and Dr. Homberg mm-hmm. was let on the 21st of June 1977. Yes. And the substructures and the foundations were to be designed by Trafalgar House. Mm-hmm. Uh, several checks to the design were made and a couple of advanced works like boreholes and things were done in the Firth and work began on the main structure in April 1978. And, and before construction began actually, and this is an important point, they had a, a consultation with the Royal Fine Arts Commission for Scotland um, who were the, you know were consulting on a lot of proposals at that time and even mm. later than this before you know things changed and and they they likewise they thought the aesthetic of that proposal was was attractive yeah and wouldn't have an adverse impact on I mean the, you on can the you can see it in certain areas from miles away yeah, so well, it's, yeah. it's got to look good mm-hmm. yeah I'm always correcting some people because some people think it's a suspension bridge no. No. it's not a suspension oh, bridge no. and oh, it's they give it it, it it looks similar because it's got those kind of two towers but no it's it's cable stayed yeah. yeah some people see that because they see the two towers and they think four mm-hmm. you know yeah. well actually i was corrected recently because i kept referring to towers and, and a young engineer who shall remain nameless corrected me and said actually at Keswick we refer to pylons pylons not I've heard that. do you know but i said that about airskin and then somebody corrected me and said towers. they're not they said towers, towers, towers at, yeah, at airskin towers but, at airskin pylons oh. at Keswick. well you can it's you these can people. It, yeah. you can always count on those highlanders so, to be awkward yeah. Um, no. um, before you move on Duncan uh, before this turns into a big episode of Mastermind I'm just going to ask some quite basic questions because there might be people listening to this who, who drive over this bridge all the time or live in Inverness and just want to know this previous to the bridge being there we obviously mentioned about the circuitous route going was there any ferries that were there originally? there was a ferry it went from South Keswick to North Keswick ah. there was about a fleet of about four or five boats I mm-hmm. think um, only the, two towards the end of only two towards the yeah. end yeah one of which was the Rose Haw Yes. Which remains in service today further down at, what's the place just south of Fort William that still has the wee ferry? Is it? Connell? Is it the Connell mm, Ferry? No, Connell's got a bridge. Connell's got the bridge. There's the ferry yeah. service south of Fort um, William, I believe that vessel's still operating on that. Uh, so I take ferry. it once the bridge had opened, these, these ferry these services things, kind no. of went. They were more of a, a local way of getting onto the Black Isle. Uh, yeah. Which is right. why the A9 yeah. didn't the go A9, to the ferry. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the other question I have, we, we spoke at length about different bridge options. Bridge, bridge, bridge came back again. Was a tunnel ever considered? Because certainly in the discussions about fourth tunnels are, are something that comes up all the time. No. No, no ground, tunnels. No what, tunnels. Why? No. Well, there's a lot of ground problems. Okay. Yeah. It, it would be have to be quite a deep tunnel, mm-hmm. and yep. then at the north side, it would have to have a blooming steep gradient to get yeah. up. To You're right because there's always the, the approach to the portals that you you need to do something. Yeah. Like and then that. you've got the, the the Great Glen. You've got fault, fault line, line as yeah. well going right up the middle. Which of the Which you probably shouldn't tunnel yeah. through fault yeah. lines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. If, if you were wanting to ask that question, that has been very well answered, I think. So no, that's. That's mm-hmm. fine, um, but I'll I'll let you find your space again, Duncan, and you can tell us more about how it how it came to open. Okay, 
So, um, Stuart, I hope you're going to help me here with a bit of bridge. I, I will certainly. <laughs> I have some text here, which I, I, I mean, I, I'm fortunate. I've got the new web page. Oh, the new prepared web page. Oh, yes. That will be going live shortly. I have that in front of me, so I'll be able to All fill right. in some gaps. Shall I read from the web article? You can do well, that. You both put it together, so yes. It's a fairly, fairly high level description of, of the bridge. Um, it, obviously, construction of the bridge took a little over four years. That was longer than originally anticipated. It was originally thought the bridge would be ready by 1981. Early 1981. Duncan and I were having a chat earlier, and it seems that industrial action and, and weather issues. There was a bit. There was a bit of striking. There was a lorry strike, right. and there was oh. a welders strike yeah. as well. Wasn't so a lorry strike would hold up all your materials, and the welders are helpful because they need to weld the bridge together exactly. of course it's yeah. not lego yeah. there was a very i think it was a, a very nasty winter in was it 1981 81 december 81 i yeah. think it was particularly bad mm-hmm. yeah i remember one engineer told me about um how there was ice smashing into the temporary supports causing a bit of damage oh, it was goodness, quite a yeah. quite a brutal well, winter that. Good, yeah yeah um okay i'll just give you a wee bit of an overview of the, of the bridge itself great um, yeah we'll do that so the 22 meter wide deck comprising steel plate trough stiffeners and 1.5 meter deep cross girders is supported on a 3.25 meter deep plate girder which is visible along both edges so if yes. you're standing inside the bridge you'll see these things run, running along now the deck accommodates two 7.3 meter wide carriageways and originally 1.8 meter wide footways although i'm told that that has narrowed as a result of the high yes. containment parapet that was put under the barrier that was put in yeah. a few years ago uh, those decks were originally surfaced with 40 millimeters of mastic asphalt that was renewed in 2013-14. 2013-14, the we'll mention, side. Yep. Yep. Uh, public services, including water and electricity, and I believe telecom, yes. are carried mm-hmm. below the deck. So that's similar to Erskine. Similar to Erskine, yep. yep. Uh, the 240-metre main span provides a minimum navigation clearance of 29 metres. Go get your boats under. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, and groups of eight spiral-strand cables and a harp formation support the main spans. Uh, the cables are held at their lower ends by anchorage boxes on the outside of the main girders and yep. the main pylons, each 40 metres tall, rest on rubber pot bearings. Now, the presence of the Great Glen fault line below the Bewley Firth meant an allowance had to be made for air tremors yeah. and two 400-tonne seismic buffers capable of withstanding accelerations of up to one-tenth of gravity were installed in a Scottish burst. Yep. And I believe Seems a Scottish last. I don't think we've had any. I don't think so, either. no. There is, there is one bridge on the A7 that has a special joint in it to stop in uh, because there is a fault down there. This is just south of the bypass. All right. All right. Interesting. Know that. There, you go. there you go. John surprised us. My A7 relates off, but there is. Yeah. And on a future podcast where we will yeah. cover, cover roads in the borders <laughs> and those areas, I can talk to you all about that bridge. Uh, so, the, all about the A7. Yeah. Oh. And the, the, the main expansion joints in the bridge can actually absorb movement of up to 500 millimetres. Yeah. So, Oof. you know, half a metre. That's yeah. big. That's a lot. So it's, it's kind of like cone joints that it's got yeah. on either end then. Right. Basically, okay. yeah. Although I think they were renewed, weren't they? When they when the north one was renewed yeah. in... 2011. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. two, one at either yeah. end, because yeah. Erskine's got one, doesn't it? Erskine's got one, it's fixed at one end and free at the other. Yeah, yes, that's, that's right. Um, mm. uh, so the 1,052-metre continuous steel superstructure, 1,056, depending on who you speak to, <laughs> uh, incorporating <laughs> almost 9,000 tonnes of steel was fabricated at the Cleveland Bridge Works in Darlington and transported wow. to the site in 16-metre-long sections uh, by road, interestingly. Right. Um, Cleveland Bridge, uh, famous engineering company, sadly went bust, earlier this year Um, yes Mm. a lot of history there Mm. Uh, we're told a lot of their archive has been secured 
So that's good news. Good. Um, So yeah, that was a shame. Not quite sure what's happening with the business, whether it's been saved or not, but uh, a shame. It's good to know the records have been kept. Indeed, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And those uh, 16 metre long sections, they were installed using the cantilever erection method, fairly similar to other bridges we've discussed in the past in the podcast, like Kingston. So basically what that means is they cantilevered out from each side of the the first in this case until they met in the middle. And met in the middle. And, and, And that was... In effect, two cantilevers working mm. out towards the other. Wasn't that similar to what they've done on Queen Street as well? Yes, yeah. yeah, to an extent. Although there was some pushing out as well at Queen they Street. They did pushing out yeah, for the, the approaches. Yeah. yeah. So, actually, Keswick, from an engineering point of view, a bridge engineering point of view, it's a fairly simple design. It is. Which is probably why it was the lowest price tender. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, nothing wrong with that. It's pretty, no, keep, it's keep aesthetically it simple. pleasing. Yeah. Yeah. And did you know that when it was finished, it was the first harp type cable stay bridge in Britain and it was the longest in Western Europe for a while as well. Yeah, I'm because actually just trying to think of the ca- harp style yeah, ones. When cable stayed bridges were still relatively new. They were yeah. new at that the time, time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they had been in favour as we spoke about for Erskine, they had been a favourite many, many years before. But yeah. it was always the technology improved and things developed. They were yeah. able to get much longer spans, There's, higher yeah, clearances yeah. and the like, and they came back exactly. into favour. And much cheaper to construct than suspension bridges. Absolutely, less maintenance, less problems yeah. with these things. I mean, the uh, Dartford crossing, That's yeah. uh, is that not a harp style? That as well? was Q2. also designed by Dr. Homberg. Was it? Yeah, so oh, it's basically a big version of Kessick. Yeah. Taking yeah. four lanes over the river. Yeah. yeah. That was the 90s? 91. 91, 91 yeah. Mm. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, it's, it is interesting from a structural point of view. It's nice yeah. to look at, I would say. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's about as much from a structural point of view, I can tell you. Structural point of view. Now, we did, we, again, you and I have been having regular chats about, about Keswick, and they did wind tunnel testing, as they do with all major river they crossings. Did, yeah, Crouch and Hawk did wind tunnel testing mm-hmm. in Glasgow and yep. found that the deck <clears> might move. Yes. In the wind. Now, the wind has a clearance of about five miles, basically run up the first to hit this thing. Yeah. And when it opened, it uh, swayed in the wind a bit. Yeah. Now, ca- cable stay bridges aren't really meant to sway in the no, wind. No. Suspension bridges are. If you look yeah. at Fourth Road Bridge, it'll sway in the it'll wind. Move. <laughs> yeah. This isn't meant to sway in the wind. Yeah. But they sort of they predicted this. Mm-hmm. So they installed big viscous dampeners under yep. the main towers to dampen out the movement. Mm-hmm. And then when they were installed, the movement stopped completely. Yeah. Mm. Now, yeah. I'm, I'm, was I right in saying, maybe you'll know, I'm not sure. I think they were originally a bright yellow or orange colour. I think they were. And yeah. then the new, but the new ones, because they've been replaced, are just like a darker. drab grey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, someone told me about that and I thought, oh, okay, interesting. But apparently you could see them from underneath pretty clearly because yeah. of the colour of them so that that's that's pretty interesting yeah, i think there's only one other bridge in the uk that has got something like that it's way right. down is it milford haven bridge oh yes i did it something Cl- Clido. yeah yes yep down in wales i saw that last year so how, how do these dampeners work then are they just largely just, just absorbed the, the, they're yeah. like big is it big pistons i want to yeah, say exactly so yeah. like like in a car what you mean like suspension almost that kind of but you yeah, stiffen it up kinda. basically yeah it absorbs the the adverse movement so right. the bridge okay. is, is controlled in the way it's Sway and it's putting some resistance into the the sway, basically okay. to mm-hmm. prevent it rocking yeah. about. Yeah. Another wind-related uh, fact about the bridge: if you go over the bridge and look at the tower on the the north side, mm-hmm. you notice that some of the cables have been tied together. Mm-hmm. Now they oscillated in the wind, and yeah. they weren't sure why, so they tied them together, and this seemed to stop it. Right. Okay. And uh, to that, this day, that's still tied together, something moving. Yeah, and you said tower, pylon. Oh, so, pylon! Oh, goodness <laughs> me! Sorry, pylon. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yes, I so, so you know it, it was good. They, they knew such things mm-hmm. could happen. Mm-hmm. They were prepared for it, and within a 
within a few months of the bridge opening that had been installed and there's been no problem since. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that takes us up to the, the opening. The opening. Yeah. Now, there was there was two openings. Mm-hmm. One, uh, the bridge was all welded together in June 1982. Yes. And it opened to contraflow on the southbound side mm-hmm. on the 19th of July 1982. Right, okay. So it half opened. And now, then, we have photos of that. Yes, there's a couple of photos. They will around. be appearing on the web page, which we'll mention shortly. Oh, good, mm-hmm. good. And then it was officially opened by Her Majesty the Queen Mother on the from oh. Friday the sixth of August, nineteen eighty-two. I have heard the weather was terrible. Right, good <laughs> Scottish <laughs> summer weather. Yeah, yeah. And a little quiz for Stuart here, since he gave you like a hard talk esque right. grilling earlier. Twelve <laughs> years earlier, the Queen Mother opened another bridge, the Kingston Bridge. There you go. Well done. Oh. Mm-hmm. Redeemed. Yep. <laughs> did the Queen Mother not also open the Tay Bridge? Uh, she did. Yes. And she opened Dornock Bridge as well. There, there you go. go. Mm-hmm. It's good. He's looking very pleased to himself <laughs> yeah. right now for anyone that I couldn't sit here and proclaim to be an expert on these things. I'm the, the, I just knowing all these nerdy facts. <laughs> so, no, it's, it's terrific. So, yeah, so, so, we got, so we got the bridge opened on the, so, the 6th of August. Yeah, bridge mm-hmm. opened and it had a major effect. Uh, traffic in the Inverness decreased dramatically and this eventually mm-hmm. allowed for pedestrianisation. Yeah, of, uh, yeah because no one would have had to have gone through anymore through yeah. the town. Yeah. It was effectively completing a bypass. And that yeah. came in conjunction with alterations to the A82 as well, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, that came in the those. late 1980s. We built the Friars Bridge and we yep. built a Fairhurst Yeah, Yeah. Yep. And uh, we improved a bit of road there, so mm-hmm. that allowed for pedestrianisation. Yep. Uh, journey times were cut and the road safety uh, was improved yeah. greatly because we weren't so winding good. along a wee road. Yeah, And I'm sure all those villages and towns along the, the heads of those firths probably were, oh, yeah. were quite happy to lose a lot if of If you go back traffic. 40 years, they're probably massively different to how they are now. Of course. Yeah, because yeah. they yeah. don't have all the, the passing trade but they've coped with it pretty well now a little anecdote for you that was shared (laughs) with us by one of the engineers who were involved in the scheme and and, and people might find this funny um that there was a a cyclist who was attempting to break the record of the Yohan's end to john o'groats route oh yes i've heard this and uh he was looking to to do it you know faster than anyone had before and Mm -hmm. he got in touch with the engineers and said you know i could save 15 miles off my trip if you let me cross this bridge (laughs) bridge is not finished at this stage so after a bit of deliberation they decided right okay let's let them do it and they escorted them across the bridge site it's still the construction site and he smashed that record when he finally got to John O'Groats a few you know a couple of days later or whatever it would have been Mm. Uh, and and I believe he held the record for some time Uh, whether that's true or not well who knows but certainly the the, the engineers that's quite a cool story yeah told us that I don't know if you could do that now with Mm. all the paperwork and health and safety and hard hats and all this sort of stuff he's doing a record it's good PR doing these things as well if you remember with like Queen Street they let people walk and cycle mm-hmm. on it before mm-hmm. some of the M74 yeah. when it opens you yeah. know so community engagement community engagement yes. yeah that's it make the public <laughs> feel as though they're part of the process <laughs> and of course they are yeah <laughs> um, so. yeah fine uh, good Okay, so... Do you want some facts and figures yeah, about what's well, happened yeah. to the bridge? I was going to ask you about that, yeah. So, um, as we've spoken about, it's got viscous dampeners underneath mm-hmm. it to stop it moving in the wind. Yes. It's got earthquake bu- buffers on this, the north yeah. on the north side. Got it all. Because it goes over the Great Glen Fault, which yeah. is what forms Loch Ness and all this geography stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everyone in Inverness seems to know that one. You know what, this is... Right, so I've researched 
tons of these bridges over the years for various things and this is the first one that i've done where people are genuinely interested and like the bridge yeah. erskine got that to an extent kingston folk were just like i got stuck in that all the time yeah so it seems to be genuinely loved by people yeah you know around it in the area do you, do you know what the thing is with kingston there's so many other bridges i suppose that were there in the city anyway that were taking things oh, yeah. across the clyde and so and that the keswick done something that, that yeah. hadn't been done before you know yeah it is beautiful uh, no Kingston is, yeah. is is beautiful in its own ways. But. I first saw Keswick Bridge for myself in 1991. <gasps> and I was oh, considerably yeah. younger than I Little am sure. now. Yeah. And, mm. and I would say that seeing that bridge so prominently on the horizon, dominating that town, yeah. influenced yes. my interest. I was in I was a little bridges. boy as well. It was very early 90s. Mm-hmm. I yeah. see it going up to Ullapool. Yeah. yeah. I, see I mean, I see, it, I see it every day. Yeah. Every, you do. Every day, he opens every second his curtains day. and yeah. he's like... Ah. And when you're coming down the... Becoming North Inverness, you can see it at the top of the hill yeah. sweeping across. Something his... about that harp formation just yeah. makes it stand out and make it look very different to just a typical yeah. other bridge. It's certainly the biggest structure north of Perth. Oh yeah, it is. It's, all, it's part of the kind of city. The biggest structure north of Queensferry crossing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you got a fryer in, but yeah, it's but bigger fry- than fryer. Anybody could design a fryer. <laughs> yeah, you know. it's very much part of the skyline of Inverness um, that, that you see there. It's it's basically Inverness's Golden Gate in many ways. Certainly, is. you're right. It's a gateway, and it's a gateway to the far north. Yeah, I would yeah. say. You know, like like the way Bealston is to Glasgow mm. and and other you know, features in the motorway and trunk road system are to their various locales. I would say Keswick is a gateway to the far north. It certainly is. Mm. You know, it really yeah. is. It's, it's it's synonymous with Inverness. Yes. And the Highlands. And mm. that, you know, you know your bridge has achieved something when that's the way it's seen. Certainly. You know. There's a Snapchat filter of it. That's how, that's how important it is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, some more facts and figures. Um, once it opened, it kind of functioned as normal. And then there was a, a clunking noise that everyone oh seemed to hear. Now, this was the pendle bearings wearing out. Now, okay. Stuart, what is a pendle bearing? Well, like Is all, that like a counterweight? Yeah, well, like all bearings on bridges, it allows the bridge to move as it expands and contracts. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, what I'm not aware of is whether the bearings were at both ends. I don't know whether Kessel They're was at, fixed uh, at one end and yep. three at the other. Uh, was Is that the case with it at the I north end, did you say? I think so okay so. so that would imply that the bridge was perhaps fixed at the south end and, and expands and contracts towards the north yeah right so, so these yeah. pendle bearings were under the piers behind the main towers so they're basically like weights right so basically right. the piers are resting on, on them and that's allowing the whole structure to move yeah. over the piers the concrete piers because also there's natural changes in temperature yeah. and these things always have an effect you have to make an allowance yeah. for that and, and like that 500 millimeter uh, you know allowance for movement in the expansion joints the mm-hmm. bearings they you know accommodate these movements as well yeah and they're also act as a, if a big lorry goes over the middle they'll It'll absorb hold, hold the weight down yeah mm-hmm. yeah so after a little while these start to make a clunky noise so these were replaced in 2003 now you can see where the bearings are if you look at the um look at the piers behind mm-hmm. the towers they've got these big yeah. chunks mm-hmm. on them yeah that's where the pendle bearings are they had to expand them to, to get them out, yeah, to get to them replace out, to, them to, to jack up probably to get the to get the existing ones out and put the new ones in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the northern expansion joint was replaced in 2011, mm-hmm. and this was there was a contraflow in the bridge, and everyone was anticipating this because in 2013 and 2014 they resurfaced the bridge. Oh. Huge oh. project, huge project. Extra uh, trains put on and all sorts of yeah. things. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's resurfacing on something like that. That's not ordinary asphalt. That's the master asphalt. That's master asphalt. So they use. They realised they couldn't just patch it up. They had to rip it all off and put it all back. Yeah. Up. And they replaced some of the the barriers as well. Did they re waterproof it? I think. Yes, they did. Oh, they would. If you've had that off, you would definitely yeah. re waterproof that. Yeah. But it takes ages doing these things because I, I heard a bit about when they'd done this on fourth, and it took a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, to do it. Um, so it's uh, master asphalts are great and the long last 
lasting, but when they eventually need to need be it. replaced, it can be a bit it of a pain. It's a massive yeah. job. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a Swiss surfacing called, is it Gussafault? Yes. Gussafault. Yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, it was category B listed by Historic Environment Scotland in 2019. Rightly so. Yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. of the, you know, the earthquake buffers and how yeah. unique it is. Mm-hmm. And it is featured on the £100 banknote since 2007. Well, it had been oh. until the new polymer note came in. Oh, has it oh. gone? And it's changed. It's now someone oh. else. It's a person now, I believe, that's on the back of the £100. A person? Yeah. Oh, yeah. structures in the it's, archive. It's Stuart, don't you know? Is it? You don't see many £100 notes these days. That's why we don't see them. Um, no, that's sorry. I, I, I remember it being on £100 notes because I've seen it a few times. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yep. that's <laughs> you get you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually worked with money for a while, so that was it. All right. It doesn't mean it was mine. No. <laughs> um, and something was installed not too long ago. Uh, an, a new underdeck maintenance gap. And this was installed by the Spencer Group Limited. Yeah. Oh yeah, in twenty twenty one. Spencer's are asking. I'm yeah, sorry, it's, I, it's I, should, I should be the asking fanboy here in the corner. I think I've yeah. said it about twelve times now. I'll shut up. But yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, I, and that would have replaced an existing gantry. an existing yeah. one. Yeah. So it's like a like a train underneath the bridge, and they exactly. can go and drive along and. Um, yeah. And that'll be a thing with, with upcoming works. What did they do used before that? Would it have been an under under bridge unit? No, I think it had a gantry. I think. Oh, this was I, just a replacement. I think for so. Yeah. I think right. it was a replacement gantry. Most of the major bridges would have had a gantry. Yeah, I was going to say. Mm. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and currently the bridge is maintained by Bear Scotland on behalf of Transport Scotland indeed it and is. they look after it yep is that yeah. that's within the north west unit north west unit yep. yep they look after it and there's a depot just below it so they have a nice view onto the bridge everywhere. indeed um, just to point out at this point that Transport Scotland will be investing more than £30 million in uh, upgrading the bridge over mm-hmm. the years ahead including yep. repainting all steel work they are currently installing a new structural health monitoring system and uh, I believe the seismic buffers have been replaced as yes, well. they have. So there's yeah. a lot of work coming up there. So yep. yeah, and interesting. It's currently, it's currently a wee gantry at the bottom at the south end, making its way north, painting the the girders. So they'll be all nice and freshened up because it's getting a bit weathered now. Yeah, with all the the weather. No, it absolutely yeah. needs to be done. Uh, another project that's going to be happening, hopefully nearby, is the long and roundabout grade separation. Oh yeah, yeah. John, you're a big fan of this roundabout, and you'd be sad. No, to see I'm it not. Go. I'm not a fan <laughs> of it at all. Um, I, I don't know what way is worse. You, I mean, I, I have been stuck at it, but I'm not yeah. sure what it's particularly bad on match days. Um, mm. But I'm not sure what it's like. Duncan, maybe you can say what it's like coming from the 82 side. Off peak, it's fine. Yeah, on peak. During the day, you can snarl days. Is that Inverness Cali Fissile? That's based the Cali Fissile That's Stadium. that team that always seem to beat Celtic, isn't it? Things. Yeah, that's happened <laughs> once, a few times. Once that. upon a time, yeah, I think. Yeah, a few times. I seem to remember them beating Celtic a few times. Oh, anyway, it's, that's, it's, that's not Celtic's important. Celtic's nemesis at some point, yeah. <laughs> right, Duncan, listen, thank you very much for that. That's That's been great. No we do love a good big bridge, don't we? I do. And an, an yeah, anniversary. Like are, um, we, are we running out of big bridges? No, we still got no. no, there's plenty more. Well, Fourth Road Bridge will be 60 in, in two yeah, years. We've we'll got Connell that. Bridge is 120 next year. We've got Clyde Tunnel is 60 next year. So all these big crossings. It's like an inverted are, bridge. Yeah, yeah. There's crossings. Still, there's yeah. still plenty of 40 years, we'll have the 80th of Keswick Bridge yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. We'll all be here yeah. to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Indeed, we will. Now, let me just talk a wee bit then about what we've got planned to celebrate the anniversary because like with previous big bridges, we have been working closely with Transport Scotland and Bear Scotland and others to bring you a whole raft of new things. Yes. Uh, first and foremost, the third booklet in our series covering the major bridge anniversaries is is here. When you're listening to this podcast, it will have been released. Oh, yeah. It's available on our website for £2.50. 
It's Keswick Bridge celebrating 40 years. Stunning photographs and graphics in there as always. Personally, think it's the best one we've done yet. Oh, yeah. Well worth a purchase. And of course, any proceeds from that will come and help us with our work as so well. So you can complete the collection. You yeah. Know? Well, yeah. not complete the collection. You will add to your ongoing add to collection. Add, add you're saying there'll be even more. There's yeah. more to come. Add to the, the limited edition booklets and sell them on eBay. For exactly. Because they, they are limited edition. Yeah. Let's not you forget can't, that. Can't take them out the bag either. Will they come yeah. signed by Duncan McKnight? Oh, of, course, well, of course they will. Yes. <laughs> of course they will. <laughs> we'll do a book signing at Waterstones. Oh, we'll do a book signing, yeah. Our next. Bus, bus garage event exactly Wonderful. absolutely uh, we also have a new web article coming again yeah. like we've done in the past we have a very detailed web article some stunning new photographs a gallery photo yes. gallery coming yep. in the back of that as well some nice graphics on the web page for you to see mm-hmm. um, we've and got the opening booklet on there as well we have the opening booklet available yes. to view if anyone's not seen it before the original 1982 booklet get on have a look at that mm-hmm. and further to that there will actually be an in-person event on yes, the indeed. 5th of August, Friday the 5th of August, that has been organised by Bear Scotland up there, and we've been invited along to take part in that, and so has Transport Scotland. Yep. And crucially, some of the retired, now retired engineers who were involved in the design and construction yep. of the bridge. Uh, and we should say thanks to some of those guys, Duncan, because yeah, they have I'll helped us. Yeah, thanks to some of them. Yep. Uh, a couple of the guys, we've got Don Fraser, mm-hmm. and we've got Ken Wilson and Jeff Booth, yep. all were there when it was being built, and mm-hmm. have helped us immensely with our research. Yep. And a wee special thanks to Frances Ross, uh, she's the daughter of Pat Hunter Gordon, mm-hmm. so I went and met her and spoke to her about the campaign and Keswick Bridge, so he yeah. was, she was great, so thanks to her for yep. replying with the information. Yeah, good stuff. Um, yeah, very interesting, as I say, yeah. so much so much more to come, and I hope everybody in- enjoys it. it, certainly, as I say, not a bridge I knew a great deal about, prior to to me doing some research you've been a great help with some of this (laughs) and we do have some a9 stuff coming as well so the root pages on the website will be expanded the a9 pages coming uh, yes as well it's quite a long road but i'm doing my best so there's a lot of information to to exciting time for the a9 because there's works going on there all the time Mm -hmm. so now's the time to record it as it is before all the changes come along so so we've got that coming too Mm. so i think I think we've covered everything yeah. there, Duncan. So yeah, Any final bits you. of Keswick Bridge you like to mention? To, to, to be quite honest with you, um, I have one thing to say about it. As, as a bridge itself, for me, it has always behaved. I have never mm-hmm. been stuck on that. Mm-hmm. I've never even been done in with the roadworks. The only only thing I think it's changed, it went from a 70 to a 50 mile an hour. 70 to 50. As with most major bridges in Scotland. And I think that wasn't, yeah, it wasn't yeah. targeted at Keswick. It was just a policy yes. they adopted, which was fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I do remember when you could drive over there at 70. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Designed for 70 miles an hour, Designed of course. Yeah. Um, I, I was just going to finish, Duncan, with the, the, the Three Firths campaign. We should say that Dornoch was ultimately yeah. constructed Dornoch in 1991. Yeah, Cromarty was finished in 79. Cromarty was the first one yep mm-hmm. and then we had Dornock in 1991 that was a wee bit later on mm-hmm. so we finally had the whole the new route up yep. north yeah ideal we speak a bit about those in our, our previous a9 podcast yes. Yes. a little bit so yeah, we'll, we'll revisit them one day up. yeah revisit them and i should say the web address for the new web article will be at our website scottishroadsarchive.org forward slash keswick dash bridge which you can link to on the site and you'll see it all there exactly brilliant and we will have a few celebrations in social media yeah keep an eye on social media lots yep. of stuff coming up and some new photos as well yes. now as always we say if you've enjoyed this podcast you want to hear more you'll get all of them on spotify apple podcasts podbean even youtube even youtube yep. anywhere anywhere you get them 
Yep, and we've also got our social media channels as well. You mentioned there we're going to have some stuff going on about the Keswick, but it's Scotland-wide now, so you'll see everything the then and now post and the great stuff you've got from Duncan. Mm-hmm. So check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And I've said this before, but please leave our podcast a review if you enjoy it. You please know, do. give us five stars, give us a wee comment. It lets us spread the word, uh, word get more, more listeners in. You know, let people know what the Scottish roads cast in the Scottish Roads archive or what yep. we are what we do indeed and yep. Duncan thanks again for coming along thanks for having me it's always great to, good to, talk about, good to talk about guessing mm-hmm. yes good to hear about it as well yeah. thank you yeah and we'll see you soon see you soon bye bye bye, bye. bye.